It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Trial of Sam Bankman-Fried. They can understand what she was feeling and what she was going through. I don't think there are a lot of people who would aid and abet a fraudster in the way that she did. But, you know, women especially do really, really compromising things when they are in love and abusive relationships. Welcome back to The Trial of Sam Bankman-Fried. I'm your host, Kelly O'Grady from over at Fox Business. So we are well into week two of the former Crypto Kings fraud trial. And as always, we are going to bring you every juicy detail. And boy, was today full of bombshells. So to get you up to speed, the prosecution, they are presenting their case. And on the stand is the person that we have all been waiting for, Caroline Ellison. She is none other than Sam Bankman-Fried's ex-girlfriend, on-again, off-again girlfriend, And yes, she is indeed throwing him under the bus just as expected. So for some context, Ellison is the CEO of Alameda Research. That's the crypto trading firm at the center of this all, their relationship with FTX. And there have been a number of crazy revelations thus far, and I'll just highlight a few of them for you. So Ellison has shared that SBF ordered her to use FTX customer money to make political donations He also directed her to pay off Alameda's billions in loans with that customer money. And we even learned that Bankman-Fried told her to doctor balance sheets so that investors and lenders wouldn't see how bad a shape the companies were in. Now, if that's true, that's fraud right there, folks. So she's still giving testimony. She'll continue into tomorrow. We will break down all the ins and outs of her accusations in a future episode. But today, I want to get to the very, very wacky part of the story because I mean, if you can believe it, the most shocking part of this may not be the billions of dollars that went missing. It's the sex, drugs, and the occasional beanbag chair that Sam Bankman-Fried slept on. So we're going to have some fun. And who better to chat with about it than Kennedy, Fox Business, Fox News, and of course, the podcast that I listen to always, Kennedy Saves the World. So Kennedy, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. What? This is juicier than a Georgia peach. I mean... Right. Right off the bat, I have to ask you what your impression of Sam Bankman-Fried was. I mean, kind of last year, we all thought of him as this crypto king. He's on the cover of Forbes magazine, uh, which I guess kind of is a red flag now if you ever get on the cover of Forbes. But he's got Tom Brady in commercials and now he's behind bars. What was your reaction when you first heard this story? He reminded me of Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos. You know, these people that had really a theoretical vision that they pretended was real. And, you know, part of realizing that that vision, that this just malignant narcissism that propels people like this, you know, I put Billy McFarlane from Fire Festival in the same category. You know, this is like the Fire Festival of crypto. Um, None of it was real, but they were able to have, you know, a $30 billion valuation at one point, and they were taking out loans on what the company was worth on paper and, uh, you know, paying them back with customer money. So there was a lot of fraud here. There was a lot of hubris. And part of it is generational. You know, part of it are these young geniuses who have always been told 
that they are wonderful and perfect snowflakes and they have been coddled. They, you know, by and large, haven't heard the word no. And they don't develop an appropriate set of morals and ethics to go along with the accumulation of wealth. And, you know, if the accumulation of ethics had coincided with the amount of money someone like SBF was um, putting together, he probably would have been fine and, and probably would not have used other people's money in such risky, risky ways. And because it all happened pretty quickly and from the outside pretty easily, people like that assume that they can keep the Ponzi scheme going. And it was just unsustainable when they reached critical mass and the market crashed. Um, you know, on, on top of that, on top of the narcissism and the hubris um, and, you know, feeling that he's mommy and daddy's special little guy, he also appears to be sociopathic. So Michael Lewis, who is a phenomenal writer, you know, uh, Moneyball, The Big Short, he he's really an Incredible author, very well researched and always finds these amazing uh, subjects to write about and, and subject matter. And uh, Sam Bankman-Fried is he is the subject of his latest book. And Michael Lewis got a hold of a memo. And it's it's oh, like a cost real. benefit so analysis of his relationship with Caroline Ellison. And it's so incredibly creepy. But he gave her just enough hope in the stinky darkness that she hung on to the romantic side of her relationship. And anyone who's been in an abusive relationship, they they can actually understand what she was feeling and what she was going through. I don't think there are a lot of people who would aid and abet a fraudster in the way that she did. But, you know, women especially do really, really compromising things when... They are in love and, and, you know, when they're in abusive and abusive relationship and they feel like someone is going to eventually come around, then they, they do really, really dumb things. Yeah. So uh, first, there's a couple of things I want to unpack there. I love that you made the reference to Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, and I actually I covered that trial as well. And I keep going back to that because so much I think of what's being presented here. It feels really complicated, sometimes uh, we're seeing the jury nod off, go to sleep a little bit because it's crypto, it's spreadsheets. But at the, at the end of the day, I mean, fraud is fraud. And it, it comes down to that criminal intent. And it really reminds me of what you saw happen in that Elizabeth Holmes case, where it was a founder who believed in themselves so much, but got over their skis and and started to make those decisions along the way uh, that lands them behind bars. Um, but I also want to touch on this Michael Lewis piece because I, I wanted to ask you about it. And it feeds into this larger narrative that has very much played out in the public, you know, the court of public opinion, right? So much of, of the FTX collapse was aided and accelerated by the fact that it was playing out on social media. And so I'm sitting here thinking about, first of all, how could a, a jury come into this with no preconceived notions. We're standing outside the courthouse doing our reports and everyone walks by and and they say, oh, who, who are you covering? And we say, oh, SBF. Oh, the guy that stole all the crypto money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're like, yeah, OK. I, I mean, allegedly, but sure. 
So you've got this book, you've got this this memo of the pros and cons of a sexual relationship, which, by the way, he he reviewers or rather listeners that haven't read this. Uh, he said that his feelings may be fake um, and he has no empathy. If you're a jerk, Kennedy, how do you go into this with anything other than a guilty verdict in your mind? I mean, do you think that we are going to have people basing their decision on evidence as, as our, our jury system is um, you know supposed to? Or is it what we've seen on social media and the assumptions that people have? Yeah, I, I think by and large, um, jurors, that's, that's the one institution throughout all of our uh, political insanity that they've gotten it right. And, you know, these are people who know that they are being tasked with a very, very big job. Um, you know, these are some intelligent prosecutors and some high paid defense attorneys who were very careful during Wadir, which is jury selection. And they they tend to ask the right questions and, and put the right people on these juries. But they are going to be thoughtful, you know, when it comes down to making that final analysis and, and voting with the jury of your peers. Yeah, that kind of stuff plays into it because you look at a guy like this and you're like, wow, you really are a disgusting psychopath. You know, it's like, oh, you have no soul. You have no empathy. But you knew enough to string people along and to, without any feeling whatsoever, blatantly just steal from people. And, you know, these are people who entrusted that their money would grow, not evaporate. And, of course, everyone knows there's risk in crypto, but, you know, that is exponential when someone is also committing fraud with your retirement savings. So, you know, people who have maybe made risky investments, people who've been in bad relationships, people who have been conned in the past, they're not going to be sympathetic to a defendant like this. I do know that his defense team is very, very eager to uh, to get their hooks into Caroline. And, you know, they're they're just waiting for her testimony to wrap up so they can get in there and and pick her story apart and really portray her as the villain in this whole thing. And, you know, they're going to say that she's very young. She had this adolescent crush. She let her feelings run away with themselves. But still, she's a very smart person, very well-educated. She knew that she was the one committing fraud. She was the CEO of Alameda. She was in the driver's seat. So they will they will do whatever they can to reposition her. And, you know, she's going to take some shrapnel. She's definitely she's definitely going to feel the heat of this. And, and she knew this was coming because in her testimony, she said that when she was making these transactions and hiding some of the paybacks, she was very careful about the way she worded the files and the entries because she knew this would be at the center of a court case, or at least it, it could be. So, you know, she's not doing herself any favors by being as honest as she has been, but she's already got an immunity deal. So she's she's not going to see the inside of a prison the way her ex-boyfriend probably will if he is, in fact, found guilty. Well, so it's interesting that you bring that up because the defense uh, is going to hang a 
a huge part of of their case on her. They're going to talk about, oh, you know, the crypto industry wasn't regulated. Oh, it was all Caroline. So I agree. I, I'm actually very excited for the defense to to have a go at her because it is going to be dramatic. Uh, but one of the things that they have been bringing up over and over to your point is that you know these witnesses, whether it is Caroline Ellison or Gary Wang, who's also one of the cooperating witnesses that has pled guilty to fraud charges, is that you know they're doing this in exchange for leniency. Mm-hmm. And and actually, in Gary's case, they are going to give a letter of support or you know not support, depending on how his testimony plays out and what part of or how, how big of an impact it plays in the case. And so, what the the defense has done, I, I actually think that this has been really impactful, is highlight that for the jury because immediately it creates doubt of well. Everything that we're hearing so far is, well, Sam told me to do this and Sam told me to do this and he said this and he said, don't do this. And so it becomes a game of he said, she said. Um, and so that that certainly creates a lot of of doubt in uh, in the jury's mind. One thing, though, that I want to get your take on. So this came up in in the hearing today and there's been a lot of talk about Caroline's diary and how much she has um, documented things throughout her time at Alameda and uh, and FTX and that relationship. And Sam bankman fried even leaked parts of her diary to the New York Times. That's what which also. Yeah. Then that's but how she, he was reincarcerated. Right. Exactly. Um, and so she kept she keeps this list and it's it's entitled. And by the way, it was thrown up on the screen for everyone to see today. It says, quote, things Sam is freaking out about. Which right off the bat, that's that's not something that you want your ex-girlfriend telling the jury about. But on this list, it's everything from buy Snapchat or buy a lot of shares of Snapchat. But he was actually thinking apparently about buying Snapchat outright, Um, raise money from Saudi Arabian investors. And then the last one was avoid bad PR, which I laughed at outright because he spent so much time almost going on the offense with media. He had all of those those interviews. I mean, what was your take on the fact that he he was just willing to pretty much talk to anyone when this was all going down? Yeah, no, he just a total narcissist who has probably talked his way out of trouble in the past and, you know, really believed a lot of his own hype and didn't see that as being temporary and assumed that you know, if if someone wrote a fawning piece, that what they were writing was truth and um, not just painting a picture of this person in a particular moment. And so he thought that he had hoodwinked the press. So he was going to use them and his past relationships to his advantage here. But as the tales grew more salacious, that's what the press wanted. You know, he was no longer a rich ally he he was a circus freak and you know that he was given enough rope to hang himself and reputationally he has reputationally he's damaged and you know i'd be very curious to know if some of that money is hiding in offshore accounts like there's a reason that they were in the bahamas um so yeah he he obviously suffers from grandiosity and you know it the things that she was 
outlining in uh, her personal notes and, and in her diary, very questionable, like going to Mohammed bin Salman for money. You know, it's like MBS, the, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, who um, has no problem having journalists executed. And there's right. also a story from Michael Lewis's book that Sam Bankman Freed uh, had developed a back channel with Donald Trump's people to offer the former president $5 billion to not run. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was wild when that came out. I'm not sure Trump would have taken it for $5 billion, but it shows you how, how much um, hubris there was. Uh, and and political influence. And I'm actually I'm glad you brought up the politics piece of that, because there was a moment um, where Caroline was talking about how he wanted to garner political influence. And she said that he shared with her, he thought that there was a five percent chance that he would be president one day. Hmm. I, I laughed when I when I heard that, because it just underscores everything you're saying, Kennedy, of this is someone who thought that they could do no wrong. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, is is he going to even maybe take the stand? Is he going to testify? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think he I think he probably wants to. Uh, he would like to. Is is that the best idea for him? No, probably, probably <laughs> not the greatest plan. I don't think he's going to make anyone fall in love with him anytime soon. Maybe Caroline will rekindled some of those dormant feelings. Uh, but <laughs> the, for the rest of the jury, I think that's a very, very dangerous proposition. But I could totally see someone like that being overly confident and going, yeah, yeah no, I just go ahead and, and put me on the stand. Let, let me tell my story. It's it's like um, Alec Mur- Murdoch. In the, the worst thing right. he did was testify at his own murder trial. And everyone's like, oh, no, you're you're totally guilt. Now we see it. And, you know, you had uh, the D.A. going after him going, you know, why were there 900 steps in two minutes? Were you, were you doing jumping jacks? Did you jump on a treadmill? And and that, you know, that really solidified the doubt in the juror's mind. So Alec Murdoch didn't do himself any favors by testifying at his own trial. Sam Bankman freed, you know, he still thinks that he could he's going to beat all this and he probably will be president. Oi. Oi, go. <laughs> what, what a future that is. Yeah, you mentioned um you mentioned kind of the the potential of there being money offshore in the Bahamas and of course that's where they had their millions and millions in luxury real estate and there's these stories of all the leadership, Caroline, SBF, uh many others who will testify at this trial all living together having parties, you know, there's there's even been rumors of alleged orgies. Uh, you, you look at pictures of them and, and not to necessarily judge a, a, a book by you its can cover judge. or a person by its appearance. Go ahead. Yeah. Judge away. <laughs> but it's it's uh, you kind of look at this and you go, you know, what kind of parties were they throwing? You know, it, it looks more like folks that were um, 
playing the latest video game. Yeah, and they were and LARPing. We'll, we'll they they were. They're they're that. LARPers. And you know, she's she's a Harry Potter fanatic, self-described. And you know, they're they're running around like maidens and oh, knights of the round table. Oh, you muggles, you get out of here. Wingdorium Leviosa. Yes. Uh, no, they're no one's boning anyone. You know, it's like any one of those people take their clothes off. It, it's like uh, throwing a wet blanket on a sandwich. I I know when I when I heard that. I mean, I, I was just thinking like, my gosh, seriously, is that what was going on? I mean, uh, it kind of. I, I went to the one of the nerdiest tight schools that you can imagine. People brought pocket calculators and Dungeons and Dragons to their their. Uh, High school dances and whatnot. So I'm I'm listening to this going. It kind of sounds more like that's what they were doing. Yeah, for than sure. The crazy parties. Yeah, <laughs> there were no crazy parties. There were no and it it's nice that they they tried to build that sort of sexual architecture around themselves. But there are plenty of actual engineers who were living there, had access to the place where we're living next door. Like absolutely did not happen. No, there was no polycule. Right. right. So you know. um, just two final questions for you. What do you think? Is he going to get a guilty verdict? You know, is he going to walk out of this untouched? Because all that we are hearing thus far is he said, she said, the defense will get their crack. Or do you think that people are just going to look at him and say, you know, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe that you didn't know what was going on. You are an MIT grad, Stanford law professor, parents. And you convinced all of these investors, storied investors, to back you. There's no way you're possibly that dumb. Yeah. I mean, hubris and narcissism, when combined, are the most toxic drug in all of human existence. And he he thought too much of himself. And, you know, he, he over-leveraged. He over-leveraged himself emotionally, financially. But it's the fact that he took advantage and lied to so many people. And there is zero appetite for that when people have lost so much, especially since the pandemic. And people are so hurt right now in the economy and with inflation. And they look at people like that and they look at the collapse of these banks. And they're like, no more. Well, and that's actually, I'm glad that you said that because it brings me to my final question for you, which is what comes out of this for the crypto industry, do you think? You know, because before crypto was looked at this hedge against inflation, and that's why you had so many people, whether it was Kevin O'Leary, who wanted to diversify his portfolio of investments, uh, or it was the the person that you were just describing, right, that put their retirement savings in there, hoping that they were going to be able to make money hand over fist because that's what you were seeing. That's what was promised. It was supposed to be safer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see two paths. I see, hey, you know, this this trial proves that this industry lacked regulation. It It started from the black market and it's Kind of exactly what everyone was saying. Oh, look, see, this is I told you so. This is um, this is a terrible place to put your money. But I can also see a world where we can argue that the bad actors are being weeded out. And with proper regulation, there will be a future for this. Yeah. And and this is going to go the bad products, uh, the flimsy products are also dying on the vine. It's very much what happened during the tech boom. And now, you know, what are you left with? 
you're left with Google and Facebook and X and, you know, these major players. And that's what's going to happen with crypto, because there are still a lot of people, you know, the fact that it's unregulated, that's the feature. That's not the bug. That's that's not a downside. That's why people invest in and use crypto. And for that reason, and we've seen with central banking and the Fed, how they can absolutely blow it and and they can overestimate their ability and underestimate turmoil and you know and the ripple effect that has through the economy the this top-down central banking um that's unsustainable so people want something like crypto but anytime there's quick money to be made that's always a magnet for fraud and that's why people who take advantage of other trusting people and small investors Juries love sending people like that to prison because they identify a lot more with the business owner who lost everything than they do with the coddled, narcissistic know-it-all who had no problem abusing his girlfriend and stealing everything in sight. Yeah. And to your point, the first witness that the prosecution called wasn't one of these folks that is, is pleading guilty and testifying and that was in the inner circle was a victim. Yeah. They started on a really human note and said, you know, this isn't Kevin O'Leary who can afford to lose however much, though I know every time he loses, you know, it hurts. It's someone who lost $100,000 and that means a ton. And I imagine that landed with the jury because they just put themselves in that their shoes and say, yeah, you know, it's an average person like me. I hope James Marsden is on the jury. I would die if this all gets made uh, into an Amazon Prime season two of Amen. Jury Duty. Absolutely. I I was obsessed. <laughs> ben McKenzie of OC fame is actually in the courtroom most days. He's, a, he's a crypto hater. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been kind of the, the celebrity uh, that everyone's been taking pictures of. That's not Caroline Ellison when she walks into the courtroom. Yeah, she's a, she's a handsome woman. Yes, we we will leave it at that. Mm-hmm. A handsome woman. <laughs> Kennedy, uh, thank you so much for joining uh, me today. I really appreciate your insights as always and uh, for having some fun with us. Thank you, dear. I appreciate it. That does it for us today. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and tune into future episodes. We are dropping every Monday and Wednesday. Uh, Next Monday's episode is going to be a doozy. You heard Kennedy preview it for us. The defense is going to get their claws into Caroline Ellison. What is going to come out? We will see. Bye for now. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.